All right, thanks, Scott Shannon. Happy Friday. Every Friday is happy, right? Glad you are with us. Right down our toll-free number, it's 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. You know, we were talking to my staff about the vaping incident that is viral now. TMZ even put it up, uh, which makes me crack up. Not the first time. This is now the second time. Nobody, people seem to forget that part. I remember the, I think it was the Daily Mail. They literally had frame by frame by frame in that case. And I go, uh oh, I wasn't paying attention. I was reading something and I had my IFB half out. I know I could be like liberal Democrats, though. Remember in the summer, all the rioting that's going, what, what do you mean rioting? Like, okay, open your eyes. You can see it's happening. Take a look. You know, the fake news CNN reporter standing in front of a fiery inferno, a city ablaze, and mostly peaceful protesting. I mean, just deny the truth, just deny all reality. You know, we could play that game. Uh, Or the denial, oh, there's no crisis at the border. You know, all the video of all those kids that now we know are taking turns sleeping on the floor in their tinfoil blankets provided to them. Uh, that's not happening either. There's no crisis at the border. Who? Why would you ever call it a crisis? I know we're going to have more illegal immigra- immigrants this year, now anticipated than the last 20 years. And that's what Biden's own DHS Secretary Mayorkas is saying. Well, if it's tw- if it's the highest in 20 years, probably that'll end up being the highest in 40 years. Just a guess based on prior experience. If they say 20, it means 40. Uh, we could deny that reality. Never forget the fake news MSDNC reporter during the riots. You know, again, they're mostly peaceful protesting going on right here. You're in the 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 Chop Chaz Autonomous Summer of Love Spaghetti Potluck Dinner Zone. And they say, mostly peaceful people. And the guy goes, no, this is not peaceful. We're not here for peace. Ooh. Oh, okay, okay. Kind of chasing the guy around in a circle. Unbelievable. Um... All right, let me just deal with this issue. If you haven't seen it yet, it's on Hannity.com. Joe Biden going up the stairs, Air Force One. He fell not once, not twice, and the third time he trips and falls. I'll tell you, there was one moment there. It looked like he hit his head pretty hard to me. Um but I don't know. Yeah, he had an event later. I I don't know. I didn't get to watch because I'm busy prepping for the program. I didn't get to watch the whole thing, nor do I really want to. My my great team on radio and TV, they'll tell me, oh, yeah, another flub today. Another flub here. Another flub there. We have flubs everywhere. Like yesterday, President Harris. I'm like, oh, boy, here we go again. We believe that speed and efficiency must be matched with fairness and equity. Now, when President Harris and I took... Uh, a virtual tour of a vaccination center in Arizona not long ago. You know, I'm going to say something and some of you might get mad at me, but I'm willing to take the heat. That's what I do. I just I have to be honest at all times. I actually am beginning to feel sorry for Joe Biden. And I'm I'm saying this sincerely, but I'm also beginning to worry about the country. And before we get to any of this, because the media mob's going to do what they always do. Hannity, see, he got through his, read his teleprompter almost perfectly for 15 minutes. And there you're saying he's, he looks weak and frail and he's struggling cognitively. He's got no cards everywhere he goes. This, the, the fluffball interview with Georgie Stephanopoulos, 
They cut out the part where he said, I carry these cards with me. They actually cut it out. And we pressured them. We were putting pressure. Well, give us an answer. Why did you cut it out? They said, well, no, we're putting it up on the website any moment now. I think they might have put it up since then. And we'll probably show you tonight. And But before we even get started on this, I, I you need to understand here that, you know, all of these questions of age, oh, they brought up about Ronald Reagan regularly. It was the age question. That's what it was. The, the mob, the media then, you know, the Sam Donaldson's of the world, Mr. President, did you trade arms for hostages? And Reagan would cup his ear, walk to Marine One, and act like he didn't hear it. <laughs> he was, maybe didn't hear it. I, don't, I think he had lost hearing later in life. Like uh, anybody that does any broadcasting had been a broadcaster at some point in his career. And then it was the same with John McCain. But it was also the same with Donald Trump. This is how recent this is. In June of 2020, New York Toilet Paper Times, a column questioning Trump's health. Remember the walk down the, the ramp in the rain at West Point? Now, I actually went in and asked questions about that. I said, okay, what was the deal with the ramp? Because I've been around Donald Trump. No Donald Trump. Donald Trump has the energy of 100 guys that are 30 years younger. And there's no issues involving his mental alertness, mental acuity, nor does he look weak or frail. But what happened was, and I don't know why they, they should have set it up differently, it was a rainy day, it was a wet ramp, and he had slippery shoes on. It's that simple. Under those circumstances, like, for example, I've been in, in New York City, and if I have my, you know, reg nice shoes on, which I rarely re wear, and you try to walk in slush, ice, and snow, and just, whoa, whoa, you're slipping and sliding all over the place, depending on what kind of shoes you have. You have rubber-soled shoes, you're not going to have the problem. You have sneakers, you're not going to have a problem. So there was so much brought up as it relate, relates to Trump's health after the walk down the ramp. You know, Trump's halting walk down ramp raises new health questions. That was the New York Times. And then the Atlantic in September 2020, their article, How Trump Masks His Incoherence. Really? Have they done the story about Joe yet? Newsweek, November 30th, 2017. You know, Joe Scarborough, our buddy, claiming that Trump was in early stage dementia. Has he ever said that about Joe? Uh, anyway, firing back at Trump on the air. He's, you know, someone during the campaign, close to the campaign, told me, a close source, that he had an early stage dementia. Anybody at the MSDNC playing all of Joe's awkward, pathetic, incoherent moments? No, we do it. And now the polls are showing over 50% of Americans can see exactly what I see. Now we know that Vladimir Putin sees it too, which is not good. Now we've got Newsweek reporting, you know, the, the early stage dementia, completely detached from reality, Scarborough said. Uh, in September 20th, on some, sorry, September 2nd, 2020, New York Times published a piece as he questions his opponent's health, Trump finds his own health under scrutiny. And The Guardian, publishing in October 2020, a piece published, How Healthy is Trump? Years of Misinformation Make It Difficult to Know. Well, if you're going to judge somebody's health by whether or not they have a high energy level, that they're mentally alert, uh, I don't think Joe Biden could ever do one of the 
Trump, I wouldn't call them press conferences. I don't think they could do one of the Trump rallies to you. If he did, well, maybe it would be a great great option to offer free sleep therapy for everybody in America if you ever tried it. Jennifer Rubin publishing in June of 2020. Trump is in denial about his and others' health. It's a legitimate topic for the campaign. Now, they're doing all of this, saying all of this, while Joe Biden is hiding in his basement bunker because he's being protected by these same people. In October 2020, ABC News, Trump has taken pains to hide medical records equating sickness with weakness, according to critics. Are they asking for Joe Biden's records? On January 6th, CNN reporting, 2018, January 16th, doctors were calling for a mental examination of President Trump. Can we have a cognitive test on Joe Biden? Forbes magazine, June 15th, 2020. Questions continue about President Trump's health. And I can keep going on and on and on here. And even Joe Biden himself last year, you know, was was boasting that he runs up ramps while Donald Trump stumbles down ramps. You know, he said it at the height of the presidential campaign. By the way, he didn't even run a campaign. Today, Joe Biden fell three times, climbing one set of stairs three times. Whoops, trip, whoops, trip, whoops, you know, makes Gerald Ford look like, I don't know, somebody that's like a gymnast for crying out loud. And he mocked Trump over the slippery ramp descent. Okay, there really wasn't a lot to do in that particular case because the ramp was soaked. He had dress shoes on and it was slippery as hell. Okay, but now but we're going to ignore everything involving Joe Biden. Now, I'll tell you what's scary here and sad here. Because there's no way that the people around Joe Biden don't see what more than half the American people are willing to say. Now, the mob and the media can protect Joe. The Democrats can protect Joe. Big tech can protect protect Joe and protect Hunter. And they can hide information. But our own eyes, we have compared Joe from 2012 to 2020. We've compared Joe from 2016 to 2021. We've done all the comparisons. It is night and day. I don't think my observation that Joe looks very weak and frail and is struggling cognitively is even an issue for debate. But And we've got all the tape that we can play over and over again to show that he's struggling cognitively. Now the question is, how bad has it been? When are we going to get a full report on it? Will he, you know have a cognitive test of some kind, one that we can trust, one that's objective and not political. And I'll tell you, it, it, the, the Biden blitz, as they're calling this, is not working out very well for any of them. You know, Biden even struggled in the fluffball interview with Stephanopoulos, trying to answer basic questions, had the help of his cheat sheet. Had his little cheat sheet in his hand when he was before the CDC just a little while ago, giving a, you know, five, 10 minute thing. And, you know, one of the worst things is he calls, okay, during that interview with Stephanopoulos, he calls Vladimir Putin a killer. By the way, I actually agree with him. Putin's a hostile actor. Russia, a hostile regime. China, hostile regime. President Xi, hostile actor. The mullahs in Iran that he's trying to pressure South Korea to give $7 billion to. Hostile regime. Hostile Mullers, Kim Jong-un, North Korea, hostile regime, hostile actor. 
So what does Putin do? Well, he then turns it on Joe, basically says, yeah, you're a murderer. Let's debate it. The same interview. Putin responds, challenging Biden to a debate. I don't want to put this off for long. I want I want to relax a little this weekend. So maybe we could do it tomorrow, meaning today or Monday. We're steady and we're ready at any time convenient for the American side. Now, why is Vladimir Putin immediately calling for a debate with Joe Biden? What have I been saying? They've been studying Joe Biden. Now, they're not they're not influenced by the the media mob in America. Trust me, they don't care what they say. They've got their own observations and they're facing the reality now that most of America is facing is you've got somebody that is physically weak and frail and is struggling cognitively. And here's the dangerous part. All of America's enemies, all of the world's hostile regimes, all of these hostile actors, they're all seeing what over 50 percent of the American people see. And I would even argue it's probably closer to 100. And that is everything we've been telling you. And I don't think that's a good thing for the country because of the hostile actors. This is an evil world with evil regimes and evil actors And we can't have that's why you can't have a candidate allowed to hide in their basement bunker. That's why you've got to ask questions to find out and, you know, what the radical answers are and core packing and everything else. The world needs a strong America. The world desperately needs it. And it's hard to present a strong national image when your commander in chief is falling down three times, climbing a stairs and can't even remember his own tax plan without a cheat sheet and struggles cognitively the way this guy is struggling. It's now a problem. And I want to know what really is going on here. And and did they purposely try to hide something from we, the American people? And who's responsible for that? And why are they allowing it? We knew during the campaign that there was this weak, frail, cognitively struggling. But this is during the campaign. We would point it out. Listen. The scale, the scale of the loss is, is staggering. I don't know whose phone that is, but the scale of the loss is staggering. It's been two months since Congress gave them that money. You introduce me? Okay. Am I on? Yes. Hey, good evening, Tampa. Thanks so much for tuning in. Look, tomorrow's Superstar Tuesday, and I want to thank you all. I tell you what, I'm rushing ahead, aren't I? We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the go, you know the you know the thing. My name is Joe Biden. I'm a Democratic candidate for the United States Senate. Look me over if you like to see help out. If you agree with me, go to Joe 30330. We choose truth over facts. Play the radio. Make sure the television, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone. Make sure the kids hear words. That's the, the tip of the iceberg for this before the campaign. This book that came out, Lucky, put the crazy uncle in the strat in the basement. Hide the crazy uncle in your basement strategy campaign. The mob and the media protected him. The Democrats protected him. Big tech protected him. Those around him coordinated it against hiding the truth from us. We'll have more on the other side. Glad you're with us.
All right, 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. One of the reasons I just love free speech, and, and I said, I, I've said many times, I don't want to live in a country where people that don't like me, hate me, can't, you know, attack me, say what they want to say, make fun of me, make memes, whatever. I just don't care. I like living in the country where people can do that. Although the whole vaping thing never happened. Just like the riots never happened. Just like there's a crisis at the border. It's not happening. Just like Joe falling three times on the climbing the, the ramp to Air Force One today. Never happened. I mean, Linda, have you been watching social media? I, obviously, I guess he's not hurt because he had the, the, the some meeting with the CDC today. And I don't want the president to get hurt. The president of the United States. We wouldn't I'm know just, any either way. I, well, I mean, they we would probably we, we wouldn't know any either way. Good point. Um, but it doesn't seem which it was. Oh, my gosh. Did you see the one where Donald Trump takes a golf shot? You see the ball go whoosh, flying. I did. I was. And the then one it cuts it right to, to Joe Biden. And like they have a golf ball that they've inserted. So how do people do this? They're I mean, wonderful. I know I make fun of the people that monitor our show every day and they're in their their basements and their underwear and, you know, a bunch of keyboard warrior losers that have nothing better to do than follow our lives every day. Which is kind of humorous to me. Well, they did have something better to do before the government decided to shut all their businesses down. Yeah, that's true. Well, I'm talking about the psycho. Well, the ones that are paid. Oh, the ones that do it for a living. That's different. Yeah, the ones that that are paid to, you know, destroy us every day. I was talking Um, about the the creative genius that did the golf ball video within record time. That's the thing that is amazing to me. They do it in record time. I mean, the, the the vape thing that didn't happen. I know, <laughs> it never the happened. didn't happen. There's no crisis at the border. That didn't happen. Nope. It's the funniest story ever. I, By the way, all my friends, they're wickedly funny. The stuff they're telling me last night and today, it's so funny. But it's just, I mean, Even my own just, kids get to get it. in on it. And they, my daughter writes, dad, one word, dad. That's all she wrote. <laughs> and I had to write back, okay, I know, I know. I wrote back, I know. I know, I know. I wrote classic. Back. It's classic. I said, you got, I said you got to admit it was pretty darn funny. She goes, "It was hilarious." It is hilarious, and the well, scarier part is that we're spending more time talking about that in our media I than know. anything else. <laughs> it's well, not us. I mean, but we could talk. No, about No, not it me little, and you, little, but I just mean like you know. Yeah, the country. I've looked yeah. across all of the media sites today, and you're very popular. Does anyone remember Jewel as an advertiser on this program? Yes. Don't forget that part. Good grief. Uh, but anyway, my son, my daughter's like, maybe it'll make bar stools again, dad. And I'm like, oh, they could always hope that's, that's the, me- there's no measure of success. Last year we set a record that probably will never be beaten again. The highest rated most viewers ever to a cable news show in the history of all of cable news. We set the record last year. We beat Bill O'Reilly. I don't We haven't brought that up with him. We should bring that up. Yeah, I'm and, sure he would love to hear about that. Oh, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. So, <laughs> oh, you think the simple man cares about things like that? Is that what I you're do. suggesting? I mean, I not think, for nothing, I don't but think so. Republicans, you know, we have a work ethic. We like to be the best. You know, we're not uh, lazy liberals, you know, copying other people's work. That's true. A lot of people copy our work. So, you know. Oh, by the way, when somebody copies Mark Levin, and by the way, they do. Oh, my gosh. You, you hear that, idiot? You didn't even get it right. <laughs> He's so funny. He cracks me up. Um, so anyway, so I just played going to the break. I played Joe Biden during the campaign. 
Now, there's a serious side of this thing. And I'm not lying. And I know people won't believe me when I say, I watched this today. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I kind of feel sorry for this guy. I, you know, you, you, you see how hard it is for Joe to even read a teleprompter. You know, you, you see, you can feel the tension, even in a fluffball, Georgie Stephanopoulos, probably, given the questions, topics, interview. And and I got brought my card, and they'll edit that part out for him, and, and so on and so forth. But, you know, even, to, let's just go back the last month. But then there's a part of me that is mad, because there there are people around him that know. Why didn't anyone step in and say, you know what? I don't think this is a good idea. At some point, does anyone in his circle care about him? And I'm raising that question because I do believe that this hide your crazy uncle in the basement bunker strategy, as that book Lucky says, is exactly what they did. But I also think that, you know, look, look how long he disappeared before a debate. It disappeared. And you know what was happening is never-ending preparation every second he could. Lots and lots of rest. I'm sure lots of coffee and whatever energy drink he happens to like. And whatever else. You know, I mean, it's it's pretty pretty sad. It's like now they're pushing him. And by the way, this blitz is not a blitz. Donald Trump, you know, doing six rallies in a day, that would be a blitz. Joe could never handle. I don't think he could handle one rally the length of time that Donald Trump did, you know, and, and now I'm getting worried when guys like Vladimir Putin are challenging him and mocking him or, you know, also this week, not a lot of people paid attention. You had the first uh, bilateral meetings between China and the United States, secretary of state, Tony Blinken, national security advisor, Jake Sullivan. They're in this meeting. It took place in Anchorage in Alaska and anyway, so they they bring up the issue of Hong Kong and Taiwan and cyber attacks on the U.S. and economic coercion towards our allies. And then the Chinese just step back and they just say, uh, yeah, you, you're in no position to lecture us because you in the United States have deep seated human rights problems. And we hope the U.S. will do better on human rights and lecturing us. And then. And, and then they bring up the issue of Black Lives Matter. The challenges facing the U.S. and human rights are deep-seated. They did not just emerge over the past four years as Black Lives Matter. Uh, it did not come up only recently. Blinken countered that a hallmark of American leadership was that the U.S. was willing to admit its mistakes. Are you apologizing for America again? I'm like, here we go. These countries are hostile. You know, the last, the, the serious side of this is there is a serious issue here. If you don't have the strength, the stamina, the mental alertness, the acuity, the acumen, to, to, this is the hardest job in the world. And I don't see the guy Joe Biden was in 2016 even exist today or 2012 for sure. Or over the many years, and it's through, I don't even, it's no, through no fault of his own. But then this, this whole effort of managing, handling, managing, handling, prepping, 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 practice, practice, practice. That's what's going on behind the scenes. How long is he going to be able to keep this up? Even doing the bare minimum we're talking about, 15-minute speech. 
Okay, good job, Joe. You're practicing. Here's just the last month of Joe Biden. Just listen to the last month, and you decide for yourself. The idea that um, over 500, I think it's, I have a card. I carry a card with me every day with the total number of folks who have been affected. It's incredible talent. Now, am I supposed to speak, or is Swathi going to say something? I was told I was going to hear from Swathi. And it's amazing. Indian of descent Americans are taking over the country. You, my vice president, my speechwriter, when I, I tell you what. The last thing we need is the Neanderthal thinking that in the meantime, everything's fine. Take off your mask. And I'm happy to take questions if that's what I'm supposed to do, Nance, whatever you want me to do. The vast majority of economists, left, right, and center, from Wall Street to the to the private private uh, 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 economic uh, polling initiatives. I want to thank the the, the uh, former general. I keep calling him general. My my uh, the guy who runs that outfit over there. We believe that speed and efficiency must be matched with fairness and equity. Now, when President Harris and I took uh, a virtual tour of a vaccination center in Arizona not long ago. I'm only playing just the tip of the iceberg of all of this. It's becoming a real issue. Emails now show Blaze reporting that the B- Biden is planning to implement his Green New Deal again through the back door. Who needs, who needs a co-equal branch of government, the legislative branch, when you got the back door, executive orders, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, apparently $2 trillion federal spending. New reports out show that Democratic attorneys general are now conspiring with left-wing radical climate activists to implement this Green New Deal through the back door. And um, anyway, the among the first actions, the office, several executive actions on the Green New Deal, the more radical elements of the Green New Deal, CO2 emissions, everything that's going to destroy business in this country. Emails obtained by Chris Horner, energy policy advocate reported by The Wall Street Journal show in 2019, Democratic state attorneys general consulted a Biden administration bureaucrat on strategies to regulate CO2 through the back door without Congress's approval. Supreme Court ruled in 09 that the Clean Air Act's general definition of pollutant covers greenhouse gases. The backdoor plan is covered by the Wall Street Journal. Former Obama EPA official is now in charge of Biden's greenhouse gas regulations. Does any of this surprise you? Pack the courts, D.C., Puerto Rico statehood and legislative filibuster. There's no end to this desire for power that they have. No end. And they're pushing hard. Question is, are Republicans going to be united? By the way, Nancy Pelosi says that Joe Biden has southern the southern border situation under control. Don't believe your own eyes. Listen. So that is to back up again and say that Biden administration mm-hmm. has this under control. It will take it is changed and it'll take some time. But it is values-based, humanitarian in its aspects, pragmatic in how to, with a plan to get things done. And um, 
uh, not just a diversionary tactic on the part of the Republicans because they are bankrupt of ideas on how to improve the lives of the American people. They run to the border. Now, we had the stay of Mexico policy. We don't believe in sanctuary cities and states. Uh, we don't believe in catch and release. We don't. We do believe, yeah, you can't take COVID-positive people and put them in uh, hotels and then just say, good luck. Uh, we're not putting kids in cargo shipping containers. None of that was happening under Donald Trump, and we had full control of the border and build the border wall. We're on track now to have more illegal immigrants than we've had in the last 20 years. Now Republicans are calling for hearings on the border crisis. I know that. What what are they hiding? Ted Cruz sent out a tweet. Next week, he's bringing 15 U.S. senators to the border so they can see for themselves. House is now passing two immigration bills as this crisis intensifies. You know, it is, you know, the pair of bills are the first immigration proposals leading away towards amnesty. That's what they are now pushing for step by step incrementalism, but as quickly as they possibly can. If a loving parent sends, a, sends their children to the border, we will not expel them. We will care for them. Loving parents don't send their children off into some other country alone. I don't define that as love. It's extraordinarily dangerous with gangs and drug cartels and coyotes and human traffickers. It's not, there's nothing good about this. Here, we'll let you take him, America. Governor Abbott has accused Biden of a, a COVID cover-up, and it, they won't even let the state of Texas Department of Family Services look at the 3,000 kids that are in the K. Bailey Hutchinson Building Center, whatever the place is called. You got a previously deported, convicted rapist discovered among illegal immigrants. We have now people on the terror watch list that we know. And the thing is, is they all say the same thing. Joe, Joe said it's okay. Because he did say it, no, he lied about it to George Stephanopoulos. I mean, Mayorkas says the decision not to test immigrants for COVID was a mistake. You think? You think? Maybe giving Border Patrol uh, now top priority for a vaccine might be an important step here. Well, it's a crisis. Jen circle back. Saki says then she backs backtracks on her own statement. These are this is a this is Biden's policies have caused it all. But they'll lie to you. Oh, no, Donald Trump did this. No, Donald Trump did not do this. We'll talk to Greg Murphy later. He thinks we ought to send the National Guard troops at the Capitol to the border. I don't think he's wrong. You have nine GOP members voted for the, the, the DACA amnesty with the Democrats. You got uh, five Democrats. They're, they're even voting, allowing even illegal immigrants that they've determined are members of gangs. We're not even putting those controls on things, according to a report I saw in Breitbart. Right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program? Yeah, well, three falls in a row, but it didn't happen. The riots over the summer, they're, they're not riots. What are you talking about? It's mostly peaceful. There's a fire behind me. That didn't happen either. Me vaping on TV? What are you talking about? That didn't happen. What, what, you mean you really thought you saw something that you didn't see? I mean, that's how insane this all is. It's crazy. But uh, anyway, we'll get back to all of this. Uh, 800-941-SEAN is our number. Crisis on the border? There's no crisis. Jen Psaki admits there's a crisis and then backtracks. There's no crisis. You can listen to her. 
vaccine was given, were there expectations set with the Mexicans that they helped deal with the situation on the border? The, we, there have been there have there have been expectations set outside of uh, unrelated to uh, any vaccine doses or requests for them that they would be partners in dealing with the crisis on the border. Um, you said crisis on the border is is was that a uh, challenges on the border? Okay, but so that's not that doesn't reflect any change in nope. administration's view of things. Nope. Okay. Yeah, we have Linda Sanchez out there saying it's not appropriate for journalists to be in migrant children facilities what we would we're not going to allow texas and family protective services into the k bailey hutchinson center where three thousand immigrant children are are being housed we're not allowed to look the cargo shipping containers we can't get a look inside them either the kids sleeping on the floor no social distancing taking turns sleeping on the floor with their tinfoil blankets. Oh, we're not allowed to look at that either? Are you serious? Listen. For all of our reporters down there have been asking nonstop to get into these facilities where Alejandro Mayorkas just said are not meant for children, the CBP facilities. Are you concerned at the lack of transparency from the administration not allowing any journalists inside? Um, I will tell you that under the Trump administration, members of Congress were not allowed inside these facilities. So if the press is not allowed inside... It doesn't. It, it, you know, it, that just doesn't mean anything now. Respectfully, Congresswoman. I mean, clearly you were upset about that lack of transparency. Are you concerned about this lack of transparency? Sure. Well, again, when you have numbers in the in the numbers that we see, and we have facilities that are appropriate for children, but because of COVID protocols, you can't fill them to capacity. You have to have social distancing. They're trying to process children as quickly as they can. And no, these detention facilities at the border were not meant for children. Children are meant to be in licensed facilities, but because of the numbers and because of the social distancing that's required, they are doing the best that they can. And I don't necessarily think that it's appropriate for journalists to be inside um, centers that are that are are not permanent pla- places for children, that children are not placed there permanently, they're processed out of um, those facilities as quickly as possible and as quickly as the facilities will allow. Then we got DHS Secretary Mayorkas. Migrant surge at the borders is the greatest number we've seen in 20 years. The same guy that said two weeks earlier, there's no crisis at the border. Um, your statement yesterday acknowledged that the surge of migrants encountered at the border is a crisis and may, may soon constitute a 20-year peak, correct? Um, uh, Congressman, I believe my language was, in fact, that uh, the numbers that we are seeing uh, could be the greatest uh, if, in fact, they materialize as they are trending. It could be the largest numbers we have seen in 20 years. You know, I got criticized this week saying, well, Hannity's saying, well, how much is this going to cost? Okay, the largest influx of illegal immigrants in the country during a pandemic, 17 million Americans out of work, pink slips going out left, right, and sideways for the entire energy sector, and I'm not allowed to ask. And then, of course, now we see the human tra- traffickers, the drug traffickers, the gangs, the cartels, you know, they're, they're operating more freely, th- freely than ever because our Border Patrol, they're a little too busy dealing with all of the uh, undocumented, unaccompanied minors and every other distraction. And we have, yes, even people on the terrorist watch list crossing the border. Oh, there's not a crisis on the border. What are you, what are you talking about? Hannity, you didn't vape on TV. Uh-oh. I guess I kind of did. Anyway, 
Uh, joining us now is Congressman Greg Murphy, North Carolina's 3rd District, Vice Chair of the GOP Doctors Caucus. He introduced a bill this week. To, it's called the Guard Our Border Act, and that would reassign National Guardsmen who are scheduled to go to D.C. and send them to the border to help address the real crisis there. Anyway, Congressman, welcome back to the program. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. I hope you are. I'm doing great. Um, all right. So we our eyes can see, just like we saw riots in the summer, but we have the media mob, Democrats, well, saying we're not seeing what we're seeing. We see what's happening at the border. We see Joe Biden weak and frail and struggling cognitively and falling three times today. Um, your thoughts, sir? Well, you know, our National Guard, uh, the whole reason they were ever incepted was to help with domestic crises, uh, crises and, and to be pulled up in times of national need. You know, what happened on January 6th was a tragedy, it was a national tragedy. And, uh, you know, rightfully so, uh, attentions and alarms went up. However, the 10-foot razor wire that uh, Dictator Pelosi has put forward with 2,300 uh, National Guard now here guarding something that's only a political maneuver whatsoever. There is, as the Capitol Police well state, there is no credible threat here. So you have the, uh, you know, the, the brave men and women who have sacrificed time away from home standing around here literally doing nothing. There is no crisis in D.C. The only crisis is at our southern border because uh, um, Joe Biden has opened up the door. He, he has let, uh, as, you, as you parked out, pointed out, the drug cartels now are able to do so much um, because the attention has now been turned to unaccompanied minors and everyone else. So I'll tell you what we do, what we should be doing in America. Let's use our resources uh, smartly. So let's take the individuals here who are guarding uh, a 10-foot razor wire fence for no reason, and let's put them down there where there is an actual crisis. Even the Biden administration today slipped up and said it was a crisis. And so why don't we do things smartly? Let's put our National Guard down where they're needed. Okay, I agree with you. It's common sense to me. Um, and if you need additional security at any time, we've got to protect our institutions. We've got to protect the Capitol. We've got to protect our elected officials. It's not about politics. I don't care if you're a liberal uh, Democratic, uh, Democrat or a conservative Republican. doesn't matter to me. Protect our elected officials. That's just mandatory, 101. Uh, but you're right. This is happening. It's at the border. And on top of it, I'm not even mentioning the opioid crisis, the human trafficking crisis, the impact on our economy, people need to be housed, people need to be fed, health care needs to be dispensed, educations will be forthcoming, all of which, you know, the American taxpayer cannot afford to do. No, and yesterday uh, the Democrats passed sweeping immigration law that gives amnesty um, to everybody. So those individuals coming across the border today will be granted amnesty. Those individuals who are down in the other countries now will say, hey, Look, if we go across the border now because the door is wide open, we can come to that country and immediately get amnesty. So the Democrat uh, you know, mantra has been a nation without laws. We've seen that since the day one of the inauguration. And um, I-, I tell you guys, it's a really scary time for our nation. And China, Russia, all our other um, uh, enemies are just simply laughing at us, laughing at us. Right now we have a president that's providing no leadership um, at all. And, uh, you know, we're in troubling times and it's time to fight back. Let me ask you your thoughts. You know, I I guess I was the only one dumb enough or brave enough, depending on which way you may look at it. Uh, I didn't like Joe Biden's basement bunker campaign. And and I felt I called it the the big tech 
uh, media mob uh, candidate protection program. But even the, the few times Joe would would poke his head out of the basement bunker, uh, what did we see? I've been comparing Joe Biden and how he looked, how he sounded in 2016, how he looked, how he sounded in 2012 to today. And what I see is somebody that is weak and somebody that is frail and somebody that is struggling clearly cognitively. And we saw the terrible fall today. And I got to be honest, I felt sorry for him. I really did. It looked like he crashed his head in one case uh, right into the, you know, right into one of the steps. Um, Do you believe that there are issues going on there? And do you believe that the media is, is protecting Joe and not disclosing fully to the American people whether or not there are some significant issues here? Yes, I do, without a doubt. And uh, I actually, you know, I've, uh, I've been a physician for 30 years. I raised some questions last year about this. You know, I sit in a doctor's lounge and we, we talk about these things because I'm still practicing a little bit. And without a doubt, um, there is generally, I mean, there is definite concern um, over uh, Joe Biden's condition mentally, physically, and uh, given his uh, question, his ability to actually be the leader of the free world. Doctor, Congressman, I know you're a doctor, too. What kind of doctor are you? I'm a urologic surgeon. I take care of a lot of older patients and have done so for 30 years. And, Look, I'm not uh, so a doctor. A lot of folks. Yeah, go ahead, sir. That? Go ahead, sir. Um, it, but there's general consensus that uh, there is reason to be concerned. I mean, look at the rigorous schedule that the President of the United States has to go. Look at what Donald Trump did. I mean, he was, a, he was boundless energy, and it's just literally the opposite. So you wonder who's really pulling the strings. You know, the man's not had an open press conference since he started. Um, everything's been from a teleprompter. I think we have reason to be very concerned. I really, to be very honest with you, I, I felt sorry for him today falling up. You know, we all trip. We all fall. Those things. But when you fall in a 78-year-old, um, that has a lot of a lot more consequences. So, um, you did know, it, I don't did know it look to you the way it did to me? As like, you pointed out during the campaign, they're trying to hide him now. It looked like he hit his head. I mean, it. I, and it, it didn't fall once. He fell three times. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't get a good angle on it. So I only saw the video one time. I, I feel sorry for the guy. I really do. But I did uh, too. You know, one thing to feel. Feel sorry for a guy, another one to be the leader of the free world. Well, I, I, I'll tell you, if people if people knew, and they tried to hide this from the American people, to me that is a massive fraud committed and perpetrated on the American people. We have this is the toughest job in the world. Uh, I did not like what was happening yesterday. It was kind of embarrassing, also to me as an American, that I felt that Vladimir Putin was mocking Joe Biden over this very issue. Did you hear what Putin had said? I, I wouldn't doubt it. Putin yeah. is a, a very smart, very shrewd individual. He knows how to uh, exploit weaknesses, and this is definitely a weakness in our country right now. Yeah. All right, doctor, we appreciate it. Congressman Greg Murphy, North Carolina's 3rd District. Uh, thank you, sir, for being with us. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, to our busy phones on this Friday, we've got, let's say hi to Michael in Ohio. Michael, hi. How are you? Glad you called, sir. How you doing today, Sean? I'm good, sir. What's going on? Hey, first, I just want to real quick say thank you to everyone, you know, that's fighting for the truth to be brought to light in the media. Um, you guys are doing our country a great justice with your continued fight on that. 
Um, I, I just want to. Oh, by say, the way, you're a part of this fight. Don't every I, single person is a part of this. Amen, and that's to my point. You know, I want to say that I, I feel all constituents at every level need to get involved, even if they're. I, I don't care if they're for the Biden administration. I don't know who is. I haven't talked to a single person in Ohio yet that is. But um, I, I want to encourage everybody to get out there, contact their local elected representatives, and let them know we do not want this tyranny in our government. We do not want communism. We do not want socialism. You know, we are um, a democracy, a republic, and we need to continue to be such. I mean, with with the attacks on our First Amendment, you know, the silencing of the, the president of our United States by big tech, um, the attacks coming on our Second Amendment with all the legislation being introduced. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. We also have H.R. Uh, 1 being introduced, which basically turns us into Venezuela, where we're, we're never going to have a free and fair election again. Um, so I just encourage everyone to do their due diligence. Stay educated like our forefathers asked us to and continue to protect this republic by by means of, of civil discourse. You know, all you got to do is have a civil conversation, call an elected representative. I know it's hard. I, I do it every day. I've called Sherrod Brown every day to leave a message and ask him, please, Sherrod Brown, be a hero. You can be the deciding vote in a House, you know, a Senate that's separated 50-50. One senator can stand up on the Democratic side and stand for unity in our nation like Joe Biden called for through his campaign. And I I hate to tell you, I don't put a lot of faith in it. The amount of pressure being brought to bear on every Democrat is beyond anything we'd understand. I wish they did have the strength, the backbone, the principle to do so. But time will tell. I'm not going to put my faith in it. I'll tell you that. But. Anyway, my friend, God bless you. Good call. Uh, We'll have a lot more calls coming up as the program unfolds here today. When we come back, uh, we'll get to your call straight ahead. Final half hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program as we continue. All right, 25 to the top of the hour. Happy Friday. Thank you for being with us. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. I haven't given Linda. Now, it never happened. I see all the, the trending Hannity uh vapes on tv but I, I that didn't happen the riots didn't happen what we see at the border like, isn't happening what are you talking why are about they, why are they making this up like it's so strange exactly. i mean <laughs> you would think that they saw it with their own eyes and like thought that they could trust that i i'm like this is really strange why does america think that they should believe what they're seeing i mean clearly the biden right. administration does not see any crisis at the border. Therefore, anything we're seeing is is not true. So that whole thing of you vaping on camera, it just never happened. Uh oh, that never happened. Either. Never happened. And you saying uh oh, that never happened. That never, absolutely no, not. Didn't ha- you know it's funny, and obviously we're having some fun here. It's it's like I I my my favorite thing that just it just I can't say it any better than what you watch and see with your own eyes is fake news CNN, MSDNC, you know, you, you see a reporter, you know, behind him, and, it, like, it looks like the whole city it's is an inferno. It's, it's an, an inferno. It is. It's an, it's an inferno. inferno. And, and, and he's reporting, and it says at the bottom, uh, mostly peaceful protesting. Mostly peaceful. Mostly peaceful. It's ridiculous. Um, Here's um, the even more scary part, if I may. The reporting on your vaping 
has taken front page news across many platforms today. I know, I know. Five-year-old crossing the border alone, doesn't even know how full vocabulary, doesn't know how to walk across the street by himself. Crossing the border, that's not what you can't see that. We can't get into the the actual facilities holding these children. We can't see anything. Full transparency. No, we can't see that. By the way, full transparency, it's not, there's no crisis at the border. Linda, what are you talking about? There's see, no this is my problem again, border. thinking that I'm seeing there are, things. You, there are no kids in cargo shipping containers. All the overcrowding kids taking shifts to sleep in, on the floor with the tinfoil blankets. What are you talking about? Total You're making insanity. it up. Unbelievable. I really do need to get to a, to an optician. Something's going on. <laughs> an optician and a psychiatrist to straighten all this Clearly. out. Clearly. I mean, you and, know. And, you know, I got one letter saying, it's so disappointing to see you do this. And I'm like, I've been doing oh, it please. for years. Like, so people are so high and mighty. I just can't. I really can't. I'm like, what do you want? I, I, don't, know. I don't know. Why don't you move out of that glass house before you start throwing stones? You know, I will say my daughter is mature. The first time I got Busted on TV for this. It's not the. It's not the, the some it's really not the funny time. videos came out of that. Oh my Sean. gosh, they're hilarious. I, and I, I, I'm laughing at it like everyone else. My phone blows up, and I, oh no, here we go. And I, I just started cracking up with all my friends, and they're all being all wise asses, and they're all taking shots. They're all taking their turns, and and even Laura fun. last night with the water. Oh my oh, gosh, hilarious! It was so funny. But she was right. It's that's just people being real. Like, oh, you mean he puts on his reading glasses to read notes and he's texting his producer what he wants to do next and he's having a smoke? Yeah, that happens. That's called real life. It's called real life. Um, and you know what's you can't even get you can only buy four pods of jewels now. Four cartridge boxes. That's it. They limit them. You can't. I'm get surprised menthol. you can buy it all. You can't get salt. You can't get soft drinks. You can't get anything. You can't, nothing. It's like. Good grief. Um, un- unbelievable. All right. Let's go to Paul is in California, the United Socialist Utopia that is now recalling Gavin Newsom. Hey, sir, how are you? Glad you called. <laughs> Happy Friday. Hey, Sean. Uh, yeah, that's a pretty good way to put it. Uh, absolutely. Um, first off, thanks for your support of uh, law enforcement, uh, 35-year veteran uh, in multiple counties. And uh, Thank and you, by the way. Military. You guys have a hard job. Yeah, you know, and, and that's kind of what I, I called two things. Uh, the thing at the border frustrates me because, you know, I've done my share of child abuses and some violent sexual predator cases. And, you know, watching it and not yeah. not to get sidetracked on that, but you already have an overwhelmed law enforcement system in Southern California. You have some ex- outstanding men and women still saying yes to the profession, which I'm at the end. I'm, I'm semi-retired. And. I don't know if I'd still say yes. I, I probably would. But these kids are still jumping in. Um, you know, I have family members that are still saying yes to the military, still saying yes to very busy um, San Bernardino County, L.A. County agencies. And they're still smiling. And um, what I was going to say is the fact that, you know, back even when I was working prostitution, a lot of these people are trafficked. And a lot of them are from south of the border. And a lot of them are exploited. And we're that. Hey, Paul, we're that, there, it's, it's yeah. not just prostitution. We're talking about young children. Oh, no. yeah, We're talking everything. about pedophile well, rings and human trafficking of children for for sexual exploitation. 
destroying the souls of innocent kids. And, and when I look at it as a grandparent with kids that age, it, it, it both breaks my heart. But here's the hard thing. Somebody's going to have to intervene, and it'll fall on those cities. It'll fall on those counties, those deputy sheriffs, the, the brave men and women that are still out there pushing around a black and white, which I don't do very much anymore. And already the child and family services units of the counties, they're overwhelmed. There's a good possibility that if you have to take one of those poor children into custody to save them, into protective custody, that takes an officer off the street for six to eight hours, which means he's not out patrolling and what have you. So the crisis that they've created with regard to the human factor, you know, uh, from the spiritual side of my life, it, it, it frustrates all of us. And it also goes into what else is going on in Southern California with the decriminalization. It, it's, Sean, it's a free-for-all. You know, it's, it's turned into a free-for-all. I'm telling you, it, it it's, you need to get the hell out of there. Hate to tell you, you'll save a ton of money. Um, yeah, we've 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 found a, a jump a place to jump off to in the deserts of a surround of a, a neighboring state, um, which does all good for. In fact, all our law enforcement, we all disappear and go ride our motorcycles. And it, yeah, it's. I want to join your motorcycle gang. I want I want to be oh, a anytime. part of it. I want to be an honorary law enforcement motorcyclist. Um, anyway, Paul, thank you for all you've done. And, you know, it's sad and it keeps happening. And uh, the saddest part of all of it is we had it all under control. We had it handled. We had the stay in Mexico policy. We eliminated catch and release. We were building the border wall. We were building it expeditiously. We were getting the whole job done. Oh, come on in. If you're when I get elected president, you you come and come. Well, they came and they're coming and more are coming. And they're all saying they're coming because Joe told them to come. And now we have the we're not prepared for anything. But yet we're going to have to find housing and food and and provide health care and education. And it's it's just a self-created disaster. And then people will be competing for the very few jobs that open up as we now try to hopefully wind down the pandemic. Travis, South Dakota. Hey, Travis, how are you? Happy Friday. I'm doing well, Sean. How are you? I'm good, sir. Um, so quick note, I got a grandma that lives in California and she's, she signed the petition. She's not a racist. She's, you know, she's just tired. <laughs> she's tired of it. Um, and with, you know, with that being said, I live here in South Dakota and it's, it's a completely different world. Um, you know, the kids are going to school. Um, and I actually asked my 10-year-old, you know, what her favorite thing about school was the other day. And she said the routine. Um, she's joined volleyball. You know, she's learning a new sport. And it's just, it's so important for kids to be around other kids, um, for socializing, for, of course, learning. But, um, you know, and just to get that confidence and, and to understand, you know, um, how, how to be with other people in society and how to treat other people. And when you're locked up at home, it's, it's tough to do. Um, we know, you know, some families that have that have tried the virtual learning and their kids fell way behind. It's it's a burden on on the parents as well, you know, that have to work. And um, yeah, it's just we don't understand it here. You know, we're free and open and and we love our governor. And yeah, we're just thankful to be here. Uh, listen, you never shut down in South Dakota. Uh, now you had your moments, you had your hot spots. Remember the meatpacking plant in uh, South Dakota? I remember you went through a little bit of a tough time there, a couple of other hot spots. Uh, but the governor's approach in South Dakota is, 
Everybody knows the rules. You know about masks. You know about human uh, social distancing. You know, protect the old people, the elderly population. And and you guys did great. Now, geographically, it's a little bit less challenging than, say, a New York or a Florida. But, you you know, you did your job. Everybody did their job in South Dakota, uh, led by a governor that believes in something called freedom. Now everybody knows what the rules are. And every look, I I don't even care about the kids going down to Florida for spring break. I, I the kids are not they're not at the level of danger by any stretch of the imagination. It's older people, compromised immune systems, comorbidities, um, underlying health conditions. We've got this down. That's what makes what happened in New York, New Jersey, what happened in Pennsylvania, Michigan, California, so outrageous. And that's why Florida did so much better. They did better because they used every state agency to protect the most vulnerable and they did not shut down the rest of society as a means of of somehow uh, stopping the spread. And they did much better. There's a reason why Cuomo now politically is in deep trouble beyond the sexual harassment. You got the you got the nursing home scandal, group home scandal. Then, of course, the, all the allegations scandal. And then you got the same thing now in New Jersey. You know, the health officials, the governor were told people will die with this executive order and people in New Jersey died by the thousands. Same thing in Michigan and the same thing in Pennsylvania. Innocent, the most vulnerable, died unnecessarily. And now the truth is out there. And now people rightly are angry. They should be. And then those governors that that did listen to the science. The science is one thing they always consistently said, never changed. Old people, the most vulnerable, protect them. Uh, back to our phones as we now say hi to James is in Washington. Hey, James, how are you? Thank you for joining us. Happy Friday. Good. How are you doing? I'm good, sir. Yeah, well, I put on a green uniform every day I go to work. You're, oh, you're Border Patrol. Or sheriff. Uh, now, you say you put on a green uniform every day. I'm assuming Border Patrol. Am I right or wrong? That is correct. All right. Some, some sheriffs wear, wear green uniforms, just saying. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. Um, I would have to say the collective morale in the area I'm in went, you know, from a decent high to uh, lower than low with, you know, the events of January 20th and the uh, and the signings of the uh, executive orders. You know, some things people don't think about is they're sending hundreds of agents from the northern border down to the southern border to help out with the crisis that was created. I mean, it took Trump two and a half years to get it under control, and he had it under control. And in less than 30 minutes, it went to a big disaster. It's that quick. You know, and I happen to know I've been over the years until Donald Trump solved the problem. When I stopped going to the border, I'd been down there 14 times. I've been on ride-alongs, I've been up on helicopters, on boats, on horseback, on all-terrain vehicle, on foot with Border Patrol guys. I've watched people get arrested. I've seen the tunnels built. I've seen the drug warehouses. I've seen it all. I've been there when gang members were, were arrested. The guys that I know that do your job, they're willing to put their lives at risk. They want to get the human traffickers, especially of young children. They want to get the drug smugglers. They want to stop the cartels. And they want to stop the gangs. They don't want to be managing this massive influx of children because Joe Biden 
has shifted the policies. And I can imagine that they're all frustrated because I'd be frustrated. Absolutely. Huge frustrations. And like I said, they're, they're sending people down a month at a time. So, you know, they talk about separation of families down there. Oh, they're separating families up here, too. Seriously. I mean, it's sad because you guys are willing to do the, you're willing to do the dangerous work and you do yeah. it successfully. Anyway, listen, I'm glad you tell, uh, told our audience, uh, tell all your guys I said hi, and I also say, send my many thanks for what they're doing, and I sympathize with their frustration. I get it. And so do the American I, people. Uh, 800-941-SEAN. Yeah, thank you. Uh, oh, investigative reporter, justthenews.com, editor-in-chief, John Solomon. What do you hear is new deep state news? We have not given up. We're still following, but it's, 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 every day it gets worse than ever corroborates everything we had reported straight ahead coming up next our final news roundup and information overload hour all right news roundup information overload hour thank you scott shannon happy friday to uh, everybody we'll get to more of your calls at the bottom of the hour you know i've had to face some truths about the the reality of what the deep state is the swamp is that um I didn't, sort of like the I didn't think it could happen in America category. Let let me give you a a couple of of quick examples here. I never thought that America would get so bad that they would actually, you'd have big tech, media mob, Democrats, literally coordinating to hide a presidential candidate in a basement bunker, answers next to no questions whatsoever, and and get away with it. I would think that there's somebody in the media that says, we got to ask this guy questions. We got to, where does he stand on all of these issues? We were talking about court packing and ending the legislative filibuster and DC and Puerto Rico statehood and, and in the use of executive orders and overreach, et cetera, all of this stuff. I never thought that if we have statutory language in, in the law, like, for example, that says partisan observers can observe, and it's in pretty much every state, that those laws would totally be ignored and nobody seems to care at all. Very few people. Some, many of us did, but very few people, and they got away with it. You know, I never thought that you'd have a situation where a state constitution, a state kind of this case, Pennsylvania, that is totally and completely, utterly set aside, and they just pass a law rather than go through the arduous process of changing the Constitution with a constitutional amendment, and that nobody would seem to bat an eyelash. We had this court decision in Michigan this week uh, as it relates to the laws on mail-in balloting in that state or the 4-3 Supreme Court decision in Wisconsin, two states that do not allow massive mail-in voting, but they did it anyway and they got away with it, or having two sets of standards for voting, one by mail, one in person. In person, you have a, a you have to have voter ID. In person, you have a signature verification system that is in a in a state ba- database. This is Georgia, and but you don't need it if you're doing a mail-in ballot. And you know things like this. Probably my biggest disappointment is we've spent a lot of time on this program getting it right. The things that we talked about regarding the deep state. We got right, and our incredible ensemble cast, our incredible staff, we worked three years on this. In fact, there never was any Trump-Russia collusion. It never happened. The only Russian disinformation in the 2016 campaign was Hillary Clinton's dirty dossier, 
that we now know Christopher Steele even admitted that he he made up to help Hillary distract from the legal troubles involving her email server or that the subsource for Christopher Steele said to the FBI in January of 2017. No, none of that is true. But yet or, or a smoking gun email uh, James Comey to Jim Clappers saying, I can't verify this. Meanwhile, the top of a FISA application says verified and that it would be presented to a court. Premeditated fraud, four separate occasions. You'd have hearings where people like Comey and Yates and Rod Rosenstein admitting, yeah, what we know now, based on what we know now, we never would have signed those FISA applications and nobody's held accountable or a system of justice where if you lie to Congress, just like the Horowitz report referred high ranking FBI officials for lying to Congress. But if you're a Republican, you know, you get 30 men in tactical gear and a pre-dawn raid and frogmen and CNN cameras. And literally, you know, they want to put you in jail for the rest of your life. I never thought we'd have a dual justice system like that. Um, now, it's a little off topic here on a Friday, but we have an update on this. And this is getting a little bit, you know, I still get asked, is John Durham ever going to hold people accountable? Are we ever going to get a report? Are there ever going to be indictments? And I, my answer now is I don't think so, because I don't think if you're a conservative and you jaywalk or spit on the sidewalk, they want to put you in jail for the rest of your life. If you commit premeditated fraud on a court and you're a liberal Democrat, you're going to get away with pretty much anything. Anyway, our friend John Solomon's never stopped. He keeps digging deeper and deeper and deeper. And he has discovered a lot again, as usual. He's the editor in chief of justthenews.com. And what we now know is one secret FBI informant reports reveal wider ranging operation to spy on the Trump campaign. And uh, John Solomon's here to give us more of the details. It's a phenomenal read. It is like, yep, we were right the whole time. Not that it means anything, I guess, John, because nothing seems to happen ever. Yeah, that's the frustrating part. Well, this story really gets to the uh, the truth of what uh, the FBI did and has never been willing to admit to. It was spying on Donald Trump, and it was spying on Donald Trump's camp in a large, wide dragnet. So we've always been told, listen, we just focused on Papadopoulos. Then when the Steele dossier came in, we focused on Carter Page. We kept this narrative narrow, and we weren't trying to intrude in the election. When you look at what they told Stefan Halper the day they brought him in, in August of 2016, three months before the election, they told him their mission, what they wanted him to do, was to look for anyone, anyone in the Trump campaign who might have a tie with Russia, who might be able to get into a position of receiving derogatory information about Hillary Clinton. Think about that. First off, anyone isn't narrow. Secondly, any connection to Russia, whether lawful or not lawful, they should be looking at only unlawful connections to Russia. And third, what is it the business of the FBI to be worried about whether Donald Trump got dirt on Hillary Clinton? That's a political issue, not a criminal issue. And then you go through the Halper reports and you see they're, they're not asking just about Papadopoulos and Carter Page. They're asking about Jeff Sessions and they're asking about many other executives, Mike Flynn, uh, Sam Clovis. They are doing a wide sweep. Fishing. They're fishing. FISA's 
and counterintelligence investigations were not designed to be fishing expeditions. They're supposed to be narrowly targeted, civil liberty protecting. I took all these documents. I went to the former intelligence chief of the FBI, the guy that worked for Robert Mueller when Robert Mueller was the FBI director, and this is what he said. He said, this was unlawful. This investigation was unlawful. It wasn't properly predicated. It's a fishing expedition. And the only explanation I can come up with for why it went on and continued all these years in the absence of evidence is there was political bias, political intention inside the FBI. That's from a G-man. That's what, how important these documents are. Okay. And now the courses, I know you have a ton of sources. Why don't you just give us a little bit more detail? Because Halper provided significant exculpatory evidence to the FBI, oh, yes. including the transcripts of conversations he recorded with targeted Trump advisors. And we knew this happened with Papadopoulos. Remember, Papadopoulos had said, no, no, nobody's talking to the Russians. And if they did, I would consider that treason. But yet they That's still right. went after this kid and put him in jail for two weeks. Halper records Carter Page denying in August, before they ever went to the FISA court, he, takes, he brings Carter Page to his farm in Northern Virginia, and he starts asking Carter Page, did you meet with these two Russians? He keeps asking them time and again. These are the two Russians that Christopher Steele claimed Carter Page was meeting with. And Carter Page says, no, I don't even know these guys. I've never met with them. I don't have that level of access. They then go two months later. Don't tell the court that, and instead said, we have good reason to believe that Carter Page met with these two Russians. They knowingly and willfully lied. In fact, Stefan Halper's information as it relates to Papadopoulos and Carter Page particularly was some of the most damning evidence of innocence that this investigation should never have gone forward, and all of it was kept from the court. Now, next week, we're going to be talking about Stefan Halper again. I'm going to break a big story next week, new declassified documents that show when it came to Stefan Halper and Michael Flynn, the FBI determined early on that some allegations and information that Stefan Halper gave them was inaccurate, erroneous, and yet they continued to use the allegation as a basis to investigate Michael Flynn. When you see what the FBI was writing and telling itself internally, people will be floored that Michael Flynn ever came under investigation because these documents show they knew the original allegation was false. So we're going we're gonna to get to that next week. They, what Halper, did I say the, the whole time? The biggest abuse of power, corruption, scandal in American history. And, right. and we were all right. Let me go back to a moment when Doug Collins questioned Robert Mueller, and I want to get your reaction to this. Is it true, the evidence gathered during your investigation, uh, given the questions that you have just answered, is it true the evidence gathered during your investigation did not establish that the president was involved in the underlying crime related to Russian election interference as stated in volume one, page seven? We found uh, insufficient uh, evidence of uh, uh, the president's culp culpability uh, so that would be a yes. Without, I'm pardon. That would be a yes. Yes. That's, thank you. Isn't it true the evidence did not establish that the president or those close to him were involved in the charged Russian computer hacking or active measure conspiracies or that the president otherwise had unlawful relationships with any Russian official? Volume 2, page 76. Correct? I uh, leave the answer to the uh, our report. So that was a yes. Is that any true? Your investigation did not establish that members of the Trump campaign conspired or coordinated with Russian government in the election interference activity. Volume 1, page 2. Volume 1, page 173. Thank you. Yes. Yes, thank you. Your reaction to that, and, and the irony is Hillary paid for a Russian disinformation dossier that became the yeah. basis to spy on the Trump campaign and presidency. 
if the Mueller investigation had done its work well, it would have been looking at Hillary Clinton for conspiring with Russian sources and a foreign source by the name of Christopher Steele. But they didn't look that direction. It was a one-sided direction. But when I hear that, I'm reminded of the most, one of the most explosive documents that came out last year. FBI agent William Barnett. He was one of Mueller's main guys that worked on Flynn and other things. And he testified to the Justice Department last September. We got these documents very quickly, right after it happened. He said, we never had any evidence of collusion, ever. Not at any point in the investigation did they have evidence of collusion. And then he said, really, what the FBI and the Mueller team was doing was playing a bad game of Clue. Put two people in the same room and say, aha, we have collusion. That was the FBI agent mocking his own agency, saying, we did the most awful investigation you ever saw. It was a joke. But when you hear Mueller kind of stumble over his words and try to be careful and loyally, the FBI agent who worked right under him, William Barnett, said, listen, I'm going to be straight with you. We never, ever had any evidence of collusion. And yet the American people and Donald Trump went through three years of hell. It's unreal. And as we continue, John Solomon with us, uh, latest information. Uh, he's never given up. I give him so much credit. Editor-in-chief, investigative reporter, justthenews.com. Whatever happened? Now, remember when the Comey to Brennan email was discovered very late, obviously, at the end of the right. Trump presidency? And he says, yeah, I, I can't verify any of this. Wasn't that email after he had already sworn to the FISA court that it was verified and prior to him swearing twice more to the FISA court that, in fact, it's verified and true? Yes, it is. January 12th, 2017 will be a day that if John Durham brings criminal charges, it will be a day that people will remember why. Three things happened that day. James Comey signed the first renewal of the FISA warrant saying, I affirm the information in here is verified, including the stuff about Christopher Steele. That same day, he writes James Clapper and says, uh, I, we've not been able to sufficiently verify anything in the Steele campaign. And then that same day, the CIA comes in and says, hey, guess what, fellas? We've now confirmed some of the information in the Steele dossier is not only wrong, unverifiable, it came from Russian intelligence as a disinformation campaign. That same day, all three things happened. And you have to ask yourself, how could any lawman, any lawman, go ahead and go to the FISA court when you just learned those two things? You had to knowingly and willfully mislead the court because you knew what you were about to say to the court wasn't true. The CIA was telling you it wasn't true. So I think January 12, 2017 will be a day that lives in infamy if and when the, the Durham investigation ends with more accountability. Do, do your sources have any idea what the hell Durham is even doing yes. and what's taking so long? And do, the, is, do you believe that the people that we know did all of these things will be held to account? I don't know. Nobody knows whether he's going to file charges or not. But I will tell you something I, I affirmed a couple of weeks ago. I've got it from multiple sources. A central senior FBI official who worked in the inner circle of James Comey, between James Comey and Andrew McCabe and Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, began cooperating a, a few months ago. He's become critical to John Durham's investigation. The delays, a lot of some of it was COVID, as we said, but there were there have been grand jury subpoena fights where witnesses are trying to fight having to turn over evidence, and that's what's delayed John Durham. But right now they're at the final stages. I'm told that they've made a lot of progress. They've won some of these grand jury subpoena cases, and this cooperating witness who was very senior in the FBI, don't know his identity, have some guesses. But this senior FBI official has provided really valuable information to understand the mindset and intentions of people like James Comey, Andrew McCabe, 
Is one one that's... potential person Bill Priestep? Uh, well, he's certainly one that they ought to be looking at. I don't think he's the cooperating witness. I think it's someone else. All right. Well, John, you've done phenomenal work the whole time. Look forward to Thanks, Sean. the next step. I'm not going to give up. And then one day, America's going to realize by not having equal justice and application of our laws, just how damaging this is to the, the foundation of this country. Uh, I wish I wasn't saying that. But it's all true. John Solomon, justthenews.com. Thank you for being with us. Great work as Thanks, always. John. Have a good weekend. All right, 25 till the top of the hour on this Friday. More of your calls coming up, 800 941 Sean, I want to tell you about a lawsuit now in the U.S. District Court for the District of Maryland. I saw this in the uh, Federalist, uh, Northern Division, and alleging that the county in the state has an improper election scheme that violates the 14th and First Amendments to the Constitution. Now, it says Howard's Howard County's school board's election process is something out of the movie Election. Did you ever see that with Reese Witherspoon? Anyway, put that aside. Um, anyway, Public Interest Legal Foundation President Jay Christian Adams says children in Howard County are given more political power over educational policy than the adults. You can't make this up. Now, the Board of Education, comprised of eight members, currently includes one student member. Now, this minor is elected by his or her peers between the grades of 6 through 11 at district public schools. The student election process run by the school boards and the teachers, they nominate the student to run for office in the first place. Anyway, so this legal foundation, Public Interest Legal Foundation, they filed the lawsuit on behalf of a woman named Lisa Kim and her son, who was unable to cast a vote because he attends a religious institution. The other plaintiff, William Holland, a parent of two students in Howard County, wishes to be able to vote on the eighth spot of the Board of Education. But the lawsuit and the lawsuit states in part the defendant, Howard County Board of Education, is operating a system of election and governance that violates the 14th and First Amendment by allowing children only attending public schools, but not religious schools, to vote for public officials, allocating political power improperly to minors and diluting the and causing a misappropriation of political power, appointment of p- political power. Anyway, Jake Christian Adams is uh, with us. Um, OK, now parents make the decision. They're stuck. They pay their their property taxes. They pay all the state taxes, the county taxes, whatever they pay. And whether they send the kids to public school or not, they're still paying for it. And many choose to send their kids to a private school, religious school, whatever. That's their choice. They're paying more, but they're given no say whatsoever. Hey, thanks, Sean. You're right. And in Maryland, they're giving children the right to vote. And they're giving children the right to run their own election. It's, it's like I said, out of a movie. And a child gets four seats, four seats on the Board of Election in this county, an adult only gets three. So they are represented by four separate votes on the Board of Education. And, Sean, you should know that this fourth vote, this child member of the school board, voted to keep schools closed and, and over COVID. So that's where it shows up. I, I mean, it's, it's kind of breathtaking to me. Now, I would think this is a slam dunk, but you and I both know, it's not our first rodeo, that if you get the wrong judge, you're not going to win a case like this, and you're going to have to take it further. What, where, where does it stand now? 
Well, the case was just filed. Uh, It was assigned to a judge who once found the Bladensburg Cross to be perfectly okay on a public park. So, you know, there's a history here. But children shouldn't be voting. That's the bottom line, is Maryland has set up a system that normalizes child voting and giving children actual votes to to elect children, other children, to a school board that oversees hundreds of millions of dollars. This is not just like an advisory position. This is a voting position on a school board. I mean, it's pretty unbelievable. I would think it's a slam dunk, but I, I, I can't predict anything in any court system today. I mean, you know, I don't know if you noticed with H.R. 1, the Democrats literally is part of that bill, which I would argue is unconstitutional in many ways, usurping, legisl- uh, usurping constitutional authority, state legislatures, putting that aside and allowing felons to vote. Uh, no voter identification whatsoever, massive mail-in voting would lend itself to zero confidence or integrity, I think, in any election moving forward. And, you know, so I look at I look at the move, but they also built in court shopping. Yeah, if you want to file uh, a, a constitutional challenge, you'll have to use the the D.C. District Court of Appeals. I'm like, really? Now you're going to tell us where we filed the lawsuit? Oh, OK. You're yeah, not only. Not only rigs the election and rigs the litigation, but Sean HR one that you just mentioned also has child regist- voting registration provisions. So this is part of a national trend to normalize the voting age at sixteen years old. Of course, in Maryland, in the lawsuit, they vote in sixth grade. It's not just sixteen year olds; it's eleven year olds who are electing school board members in Maryland. Uh, let me ask you: How do other cities and other school districts prevent this nightmare from happening? Well, the first thing we got to do is you have to win the lawsuit. I mean, if you're a kid in Catholic school, you're not getting a vote for this, or a religious school, even though the Howard County School Board does things for those schools, like they have busing agreements and so forth. Or if you're an adult living in Howard County, you only get three seats, but the kid next door to you goes to the public schools uh, who's 18 years old still, he gets four seats on the board just because he is a kid. It's insane. It's upside-down world. And so what we have to do is we have to say that is, you know, when I was at the Justice Department in the voting section, if we had political power being apportioned this way, at least under the Bush administration or Trump, we would have swept in there and filed lawsuits because this malapportions political power and gives power to children. Well, look, between the unholy alliance with Democrats and the teachers unions and their, you know, whacked out radical socialist beliefs, they, we're going to let anybody. Why don't we just t- do the same thing in prisons? Why don't we let the prisoners control the, the boards there, too? And they can vote in the things that they want. All right. Jay Christian Adams, keep us up to speed. Appreciate it. Thanks, Sean. By the way, there's a story I saw in the blaze this week I didn't get to. Baltimore High School student made it to senior year passing three classes only. Grade point average 0.13. The district has been investigating the school since 2019. The principal and assistant principal placed on paid administrative leave to the tune of $365,000 so far. I mean, you can't make this up. I mean, you I think they're the second highest per capita per student spending with the worst results. 13 public high schools... Kid, not a single kid is proficient in reading and math. It's unreal. Uh, all right, let's get to our busy phones. Let us say hi to Cornelius in Georgia, Sean Hannity Show. Hey, Cornel- Cornelius, how are you? 
Hey, Hannity, how are you, man? I'm so glad I got through. Uh, shout I'm out glad to you got through. That's my grandfather's name, and my uncle's name was Cornelius, in case you're interested. Really? <laughs> awesome. Yep. Yes, sir. That's cool, man. Hey, um, shout out to Linda. I love her voice. I wish uh, I could pay her to talk. Um, and Kathy, the phone screener, awesome. Hey, but I, I just wanted to say, man, we got to try to clean out the rhinos like Liz Cheney and people like that because they are destroying uh, the movement. Um, Trump was the best thing ever happened to the Republican Party, in my in my opinion. On oh, my 47 years in the world, he's the best thing, man. And I was so angry that, that a lot of Republicans were fighting him and in his way. I mean, we had two years where we could have did a whole lot of work, man. And they just stood in his way. They helped the Democrats. How can you say that you're conservative and you actually go along with Marxist people on the Democrat side? I don't understand that. You got Mitch McConnell fussing about Trump. You got Liz Cheney. You got these people, uh, Mitt Romney, who hate him. And I'm saying to myself, like, this is ridiculous. No, it's even worse um, than that. I, I'm listen. I'm just venturing a guess here, but I'm pretty confident in my 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 guess. It's an educated guess. I bet you they voted for the radical socialism of Kamala Harris and Joe Biden just because they hate Trump. Now, look, if you don't like Donald Trump's style, okay, I can understand why. He's a disruptor. He is a fighter. He is an iconoclast. He, you know, he's going to he's going to mix it up. America knew what they were doing in 2016 and the 12 million more people that voted for him the next time. They knew what they were voting for. They knew who they were getting. And that's what they wanted. We had unprecedented success. Even now, through the rearview mirror, we're beginning to see all these, you know, governors that were being praised, the, the Cuomos, the, the Murphys, the Wolfs, the Whitmers, the, the Gavin Newsoms of the world. Yeah, it was Donald Trump. Uh, his administration bailed them out. Just like Joe Biden's vaccine, 36 I Everyone said 100 million vaccines in 100 days was impossible. Trump was already on track to do that and more before he left. And 36 million had already been, you know, shots in people's arms. Look, it's, it is, we're going to now live through a period what we told you so, not that we're rubbing it in, but we did. We tried to warn you and then you're going to, we're going to get a great lesson in how conservatism works and how radical socialism fails and then how much it costs and what it means to your life and to your freedom. Because that, it'll be the, the greatest contrast America has ever seen before. And it was pretty, it was a, a pretty stark contrast with Jimmy Carter and Ronald Reagan. It'll be nothing compared to this. Um, anyway, good call. Cornelius, thank you. Appreciate you being with us. Uh, Joe Elijay will stay in Georgia. What's up, Joe and Elijay? Haven't heard from you in a while. Joe's been calling Sean, me since my, always, uh, my Atlanta days. What's up, sir? You always have a great program. I just want to say that this border crisis, that's one of the many things that Biden's doing wrong that's going to cause, I think, the Republicans to win a huge landslide victory in both the House and Senate in 2022, I've never heard so many people saying they're upset with Biden's border, everything he's doing, the gas prices. So I think we're going to have a huge, a huge victory for the House and Senate, Sean. Of course, you're going to help us make that happen. And 
I want to thank you for all you do. You're great. Well, we're all in this together, Joe. Spokes in a wheel, as I always say, right? Every one of us. Yes, sir. Every one Keep of us matters work, here. Son. All right, my friend. God bless you. Uh, let us say hi to Mike in Arizona this Friday. Mike, how are you? Glad you called. Hey, Sean, how are you? Long-time listener, first-time caller. Welcome uh, aboard, sir. Happy Friday. Yeah. Brief background, um, former military, uh, been in law enforcement uh, close to over 25 years. Uh, just want to throw something out there about the border crisis, and it is a crisis, as we all know. Uh, it's kind of a way to challenge what's going on down there as far as the human smugglers and the, the profits and, and the cost that it's, uh, you know, how it's affecting American taxpayers. You know, the migrants are coming. They're here. They're crossing. We all know that. Uh, the Trump administration slowed it down and did everything he possibly could. And, it, it, you know, uh, with all the safety measures and the policies that were in place, and it seemed like it was under control. It was. At this point, I suggest, I suggest we, the U.S. government now act as, why can't we be coyotes? Why can't we have the migrants pay us instead of paying smugglers? Why can't we take that money and... Um, you know, use it to ID these people and, and photograph them and take DNA and, and provide a tax ID number to them. You know, I mean, I think it would be in their best interest to pay us instead of paying a smuggler for false promises. You know, at least they'll get something for their money. Um, they're going to cross. They're coming. They're here. It's going to happen. No, I, I think America, I, 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 I gently disagree with you. We've got to control our borders. We get to decide. Uh, I like the idea, for example, of merit-based immigration. And right now, we don't we don't need a situation where Americans are trying to get back to life as normal, and where they're fighting to get their jobs back. Now we're firing people that have good, high-paying career union jobs in the energy sector. Now they're competing for jobs. All of these businesses and people associated and that work for these businesses now that have had to close because of draconian shutdowns, they are now seeking new jobs. Now you're going to legalize X numbers of millions of people. They will be competing for jobs. And we know what the outcome of this is going to be. It's going to be fewer jobs, lower wages and less prosperity for the American people. It's just like they, you know, this this whole big lie. Well, um, you know, if you're not going to raise taxes, if you make over two hundred thousand dollars a year, it's only in taxes on them or a couple that makes four hundred thousand dollars a year. The problem with that is, well, you're paying more at the pump because of their stupid energy policies. Right. We're paying more uh, for to heat our homes. We're paying more for cooling our homes where we're paying more money for every product that's delivered to every grocery store that we go to and every other shop that we buy from. Those are all taxes, too, and corporations pass those taxes on to us. Anyway, you're getting me... Why are you getting me worked up? It's the end of a week. Ugh. We got a great Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern. Fox News. Oh, we're going to lay out the case. Yeah, Joe fell three times. And people knew he was struggling. They've been in denial. We're telling the truth. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. All right, busy Hannity tonight. Yeah, Joe Biden's team now. They are blaming the wind for Joe Biden tripping and falling three times, climbing up the stairs. The wind did it. Joe Conscious, Steve Miller. We have former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, Tom Homan, Candace Owens, Matt Gates, 9 Eastern, Hannity, Fox News. Hope you'll join us. We'll see you tonight. Have a great weekend back here on Monday.